The following is a Bunkazilla original production. We are monsters of culture. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bunker Mania here on Bunkazilla UK's Twitch channel live at twitch.tv slash Bunkazilla UK. I am Jeremy Graves, and I am ready and waiting to talk lots and lots of wrestling today, more specifically focused on the world of all elite wrestling. But as per usual, I am not alone. He is Jungle Boy. If I'm Luchasaurus, it is the Decadane, also known as Mr. Ian Bolton. Good sir, how the devil are you doing today? I am doing lovely, lovely, seamless introduction. Beautiful. And in a new little cosy room uh, for our audio podcast listeners, um, my usual background of lots of DVDs, Blu-rays, games, all that has now been replaced by a very cosy background of just like a nice, nice sort of beige wall and a door and a jacket. Don't worry, I will try. I will try and spruce this up for future episodes, but we'll start. We'll start. We'll start simple. We'll start simple and clean. But Dekasan, is it the forbidden door? Well, it opens towards me. So it's like it's not it's like I'm forbidden to leave, but it's okay for people to come in. That's a weird way of how the forbidden door works in the world of wrestling now, isn't it? You know what else <laughs> sometimes is really weird in how it works, mate? It is the fact that Twitch is a live platform. And if you are joining us live, we really, really appreciate that. And if you feel so inclined, why not give us a follow? Or if you really want to, you can also subscribe so that you can also be aware of other great content here on Bunkerzilla UK, UK, excuse me, including our monthly Quiz Smash game show, which is on the last Friday of the month. And there is so much more as well. So any support you can give us is very much appreciated. If you are watching the replay of the show on YouTube and you are enjoying Bunker Mania today, please hit that thumbs up button. And also, once again, if you feel so inclined, give us a subscribe. Also, Shout out to our audio podcast listeners because we know you're out there and we want to give you some love as well because we mm. know you really enjoy the show. If you aren't already, why not hit that subscribe button on the various platforms that you can find Bunker Mania on, be it the likes of Spotify, Amazon, Google, you name it, it is more than likely there. If not, I'm sure Mr. Dekasan can sort that out in due course. Of course. Indeedy do. So Ian, we are here today to talk a lot about the world of AEW. We've got lots and lots to get into. And speaking of us having lots to get into, if you are joining us live on Twitch tonight, make sure you leave some comments in there because we'll be reading some out as we go along during the show as appropriate. And once again, thank you for joining us live. Yes, and uh, as also to our Twitch viewers, uh, do let us know if there's any issues with audio and video. We obviously want to make sure your experience is at its most optimal level because we want that five-star rating. But we're not in the Tokyo Dome, so that might be a problem. I mean, to be fair, the, to <laughs> the, 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 the Tokyo Dome stuff in general has been a bit of a mixed bag. Oh, okay, so not five Tokyo stars Dome. then. Not I mean, five stars then. I mean, look, <laughs> I mean, as long as you're not how Kenta is probably currently feeling then you're fine. Okay. Because, because, so, actually, I'm going to add some continuity to this now. Do you remember how at the end of the last week's show, when, you know, we had lots of breaking news going on, but I mentioned the story about Kenta v. Hiroshi Tanahashi and how he took that fall off the ladder and went face first into a bin? Yes, I remember that. So, 
it wasn't just his face that was mangled. He was mangled so much from that match, he had to miss the New Japan v. Noah show a few days later, which I've not seen yet, so please, no spoilers by any means. I'm staying spoiler-free. I oh, think no. it included, if I remember correctly, it included a dislocated hip. Ow. Which, which I didn't know was a thing. Ow. Right? So, best wishes to Kenta. Flip an egg. So Yeah. <laughs> That's not nice at all. That's painful. I know, and talking about like more brutal matches to try and somehow make a segue here, AEW World Heavyweight Championship. The title was on the line on Dynamite. It was the return match, as it were, of Hangman Page versus Brian Danielson, or as I like to call it, Page Danielson, I, I, because they're ah. two, as it were. There you go. So as we know, the first match was a 60-minute time limit draw. This was yep. the return match. Ian, just to set the stage, and I think just to kind of lay the groundwork for how we're going to be discussing about the match, brief thoughts on the 60-minute draw match. 60-minute um, draw match. Um, I thought it was a really, really excellent match. I really enjoyed it. It it kind of felt obvious as the as the match kept going on and the, the constant reminder by the commentators of, this is a very long match. This is the longest match in AEW history and all this sort of stuff. You kind of, you kind of felt a draw was coming. And... I think overall, my, my general thoughts on the match is, despite the fact that I thought it was an excellent, excellent match, having a first title defense, especially if you're Hangman Page, and you've come out of a really, really stellar storyline with Kenny Omega, Young Bucks, and all that sort of stuff, you, you've battled adversity, you've got the belt, you're defending it against a nearly unstoppable Brian Danielson, and it kind and it just ends in a draw. I think... It kind of it kind of muted it kind of muted that that sort of definitive start to a reign. I mean, when you had uh, Danielson versus Omega, thirty minutes, no no belt on the line, the draw is fine because of the context of the match. Whereas here, this is a world championship match, and it's just ended on a draw. And it was, I mean, I was kind of a little bit deflated. I liked, I like, I really enjoyed the match. A little bit deflated by by the um, by the ended on the first one. I totally understand where you're coming from on that because the, the draw is a very unique scenario, especially in world title mm. matches. And I want to say, and someone can please correct me if I'm totally talking codswall upon this. I don't think there has been a 60 minute time limit draw in in one of the big promotions. I'm pretty sure there was one in Ring of Honor a good few years ago. I want to say it was Austin Aries and Tyler Black, aka Seth Rollins. Um, I want to say there's one for that. I don't recall there being one in WWE that was a 60-minute time limit draw. I know there have been near 60-minute matches, mm. obviously, but in, in very recent years, I'm talking about. So okay. it, is a, it, it is very out of, out of the ordinary for that to happen. I have no problem with the draw. And I the thing I had most umbrage with in the first match was watching on the Fight TV feed and watching on a delay, spoiler-free, I knew five minutes in the thing was going to a 60-minute draw, and it's because of the amount of padding and filler it felt like there was. Yeah. I would say the ratio to filling to actual wrestling, for want of a better phrase, it, it made me know where this was going. I still enjoyed the match, particularly the final 10-15 minutes, but leading up to that, it, actually, it was actually dif difficult in some ways to watch. But when we come to the rematch... I loved this match. I think it blew the 60-minute draw out of the water. I know there'll be people who will disagree with me with that. I enjoyed not only how it built on the first match between the two, I also mm -hmm. liked 
how it felt a lot more intense and that Hangman Page actually had actually had a bit of gusto to him, I think I'll put it. It it almost felt like he was really nervous in the first match. And that that's mm. kind of the story that I felt for him. But in this instance, he came out basically guns blazing, arms swinging, kicks kicking. Bad phrase, but there you go. <laughs> and I think he clearly learned from that first encounter. And that's why I really enjoyed the second one, particularly because Danielson was trying to throw everything at him. And I want to say... I saw, I think I saw a comment on Twitter that said he basically used every way that he had won a match since he had come to AEW in the rematch. Mm. And then none of them were good enough to beat Paige on the day. But the one thing, and this is me adding my thoughts now, but the one thing that we more than likely knew would down Danielson based on the 60 minute draw was the buckshot lariat. And that turned out to be the case. I really, really enjoyed this match. Yeah, I think the I think the second match was by far better than the first one. Um, vicious, intense. Both both combatants get bloodied, all that sort of stuff. And yeah, it's just like I like I like that idea you've you've just talked about of Danielson using every sort of submission or every sort of like way to damage an opponent in his arsenal from his past battles with the Dark Order to kind of try and build the fact that he's trying everything and he still can't put away Paige. Um, and yeah, I think having Paige being a little bit more aggressive, a bit more vicious, that's that's a good sign of a strong champion. It's a good and it's a it's a nice sort of base for a babyface champion as well. Um, because there were there were fun moments in the match where Danielson is trying to show off to the judges. Because obviously there's the there's the stipulation of having the judges now in this match. And you have Big Show. We, we'll uh, get to those, Mark yeah. Hen- yeah, Big Show, Mark Henry. I can't remember the third one. Jerry Lynn. Top- Jerry Lynn. And it's, I think one of my favorite moments of the match is just Danielson bringing a page over, putting him into like a stretch right in front of the big show. He says, yeah, this is how it's done. Look, look how I'm <laughs> stretching him. And big show is just, or Paul Wright, sorry, we're, we're using AEW yeah, we, terminology. We, yeah, but Paul White is just sat there with his clipboard going, oh, yes, yes, I see. I see how you're stretching him. Let me make a note. Yes, good stretching, <laughs> good stretching. Tick in the box. Two points. <laughs> I but want no, to know what the actual notes on their respective clipboards were. I, I want to see a picture. I don't think they had any. <laughs> it was just, Paul, they Paul White had, was writing a lot of stuff. Maybe Paul White was just 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 doodling or pitching ideas for like trying to find a new home for the big the big show show because <laughs> it's been cancelled off Netflix. <laughs> I wonder why. Uh, I, mm, um. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, no. I think I think the second match was really, really good. Um, it's a defensive win for Page, so that gets him off the market as a champion, and that's good to see. He's the first. He's the first uh, roster member to give Danielson a loss as well, mm-hmm. which is very significant. So that's a nice little feather to have in the cap as well. And yeah, yeah. I I I, I like the match. It's just now. I think I'm now curious now to see how, who's next to challenge Hangman. Because it's like a lot of the people that I would expect to challenge him are currently busy in other little feuds. So I'm not sure who can kind of fill in the gap till maybe Revolution or all the way to Double or Nothing. That's the sort of that's mm. the sort of thing to ponder. Totally. And I will say as well that let's not forget that a big thing about AEW at the start of a new year, which mm. I don't was it wasn't emphasized heavily sans the MJF CM Punk stuff, which we'll get to mm. in a few moments. Mm-hmm. But it's the fact that the win-loss records reset for the calendar year. Yeah. So this also now means that Paige has now started the year with a win 
and mm. Danielson started the year with a loss. And mm-hmm. it's not something that was put across, but it almost makes me wonder if that's why ultimately they went with the 60-minute time limit draw, then a rematch was to make it so your first match of the year is a big-ass title match. Yeah, could work. Obviously, it was the first episode on TBS. So obviously, yeah. you want you want big matches. So obviously, this was, this was guaranteed to be on the card, at least. Or a world championship match of some description was going to be on the card. Yeah. Um, uh, just a quick shout-out to our Twitch chat in, uh, uh, here on the show. Uh, Dead Pixel Dave, uh, he believes it was little stick drawings on the notepads. All right, so... Is it, is it can one of them for Paul White be a really big stickman? <laughs> and, then, and he's like, I'm a giant. He's like, yes, we know that, Paul, but I'm a giant. I, I want to imagine he was drawing like a stickman comic strip. <laughs> and he was like doing the process of choke slamming someone. Like, so one one moment, just two people side to side. Then mm. the next moment, grabs the throat with one hand. The third picture is him lifting them in the air. The fourth one is just slamming them down. <laughs> mm. Or maybe, or, or maybe he's trying to write. He's trying to make make a memoir of how many times he turned face and heel over the course of his career. <laughs> it's like I was. I was. I face here. Am I face? Am I heel? I don't know. <laughs> Brian, am I face or heel? Tell me. I'm stretching this guy out, Paul. Look how well I'm stretching him. Um, for the benefit of our viewers and our audio listeners, I'm trying to demonstrate a stretch, but the camera's not showing me doing the... There we go. We'll do it like this. So my hands are right just under my chief. I'm like I'm trying to do some sort of weird... You have an S weird master as it's lock. <laughs> It's like I have a weird sort of master... It's a, it's a master lock or like it's a hurt lock without anyone in it in between. I don't know. I don't know what the purpose of this is, but I'm stretching! In a bit to help you break the stretch, as it were. Um, <laughs> the, 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 just quick note, the judges. What did you yeah. think? I think considering they made a big deal out of it, it was kind of mute at the end, which, it, which, is, fair, yeah. which is fair enough. Which is fair enough. I get that. Because obviously, when you have a decisive winner, a decisive winner, great, fine, done. Um... But obviously they made a big deal out of it for like two weeks. And they're saying, oh, they're gonna be, they're gonna be judges, they're gonna, they're gonna score in case we go draw. Because originally I just thought this is gonna be another draw, hmm. which I really didn't want to see, to be perfectly honest. Um but uh but no, I was just like, yeah, I think for all the hype and sort of like spotlight they put on like how important these judges are, it was really mute. But not the not the end of the world, yeah. but just mute. Yeah, I agree. And this isn't obviously taking away from the three people that they had, but mm. it, it it was in a way... I can't remember who actually said it, but I think someone on Twitter, again, shout out to whoever that was in the ether of the annals of time, but someone's kind of went, in a weird way, this is a prime case of all the fans overhyping something really simple. Mm. Like, it's, it's in, a, in hindsight, a very insignificant point. But, you know, we were thinking, right, who could they bring in? Could there be someone from Page's past who he's wronged? Would it be from mm. Danielson's past? Could it be someone debuting as a judge? There was lots of theories going around. And realistically, they brought in three legends who they have under contract working backstage. It makes complete sense. Yeah. But no one had that idea in their brain. Mm. Or or rather than try and overhype it with that, just say there must be a winner. So they get to 60 minutes. It's basically, there's no time limit. Just make the match as long as it needs to be that's that's one way out but obviously then that defeats the point of a time loop draw i don't know but but then what would have happened to the the epic battle 
that was Captain Sean Dean versus MJF. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how a time. I don't know how no time limit or there must be a winner because because poor MJF lost by DQ. <laughs> now, do you know what I thought? So to set the scene just briefly, just so we cover it in context, MJF was facing Captain Sean Dean. The bell rings, and within moments, CM Punk comes running down to the ring, and then there's a bit of a standoff, like, what's going on here? And then randomly, and, and eventually, just de- basically causes a DQ finish for Sean Dean to win by GTSing him. A bit excessive, but sure. But then he gets on the mic and just makes it known, so long as, so long as we've got beef, I'm going to do this every week. <laughs> Pretty much, which is great because it now means, if I remember correctly, MJF has only been involved in three losing matches. I mm. want to say one was John Moxley. Yeah, that was at a pay-per-view. Obviously, Sean Dean. The other one... Jericho. It was Jericho, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So there you go. So he's only had three losses. And like Sean Dean's been lapping this up on Twitter as well, been going, <laughs> hey, I think we should get a new shirt for me. Like, I beat MJF. Like pro wrestling tees, get on that. Yeah, it's been it's been good fun seeing that stuff. And then we got a wonderful verbal exchange between MJF and Punk with just jibes going back and forth. But my highlight of the entire thing, and I know some people perhaps take umbrage or have an issue with the amount of WWE references, but this is a time where I think it worked perfectly. Because MJF did his usual line of, you know, the bidding war of 2024 or whatever it is. And then Punk just says something to the effect of, hey, if you want to go and headline night four of a buy one, get one free WrestleMania, be my guest. (laughs) Then you'll get released, come back and I'll still be here. (laughs) It's like, just perfect. Freaking perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, those sort of zingers, I, I can appreciate. I think it's when... I think it's when it's very low hanging fruit and it's like a quick mm. win just to pop the crowd is when is when like the whole sour grape the sort of, no, no I'm not going to define it as sour grapes the whole sort of jibe attacks on WWE I mean I mean all the most wrestling community most of the internet wrestling community know the pros and cons of WWE right now obviously there's a lot of cons out there at the moment um obviously last week when we were doing this live we had all those NXT releases which we will probably touch on a little bit towards the end of the show when we've done all the AEW stuff um but it's like it's like we we get it that, that it's a different company they do things differently some talent have history with them and we we all know the history of CM Punk with WWE it's it's it, everyone knows that that and it's like it's always going to be that frictionist. It's always going to be that sort of venomous as well. But it's just always relying on just kind of getting your kicks in. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like the first couple of times, yeah, it's fun. But after a while, it's like, really? It's like, is there anything else we can really try and do? I mean, that's why like the first, it's kind of like how the first um, verbal jousting between MGF and CM Punk went down really, really well because it's like the use of the references really kind of worked. It's like comparing MJF to Miz, for example, and so forth. And and, and it works. It works there, but it's just like, I think it, it needs to be rationed, I guess. It's like, do it do it in ra- do it in rations and you'll be fine. But it's like, using it as like the, like the, like the easy, the easy pickings every week is not particularly the best way. But that, that's just me. 
this is why I think now that they've actually made it personal between the two, mm. there's actually a reason for them to have more beef with each other, as it were. Like, and literally, he cost MJF a match, and his AEW career record now has been grossly affected by it. Yeah. And potentially more so. So there's actually a more AEW home, quote-unquote, reason. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. For them to actually have a bit of an issue. The other thing that's interesting, obviously, following the verbal jousting, we then got confirmation we are going to see... Uh, I need to say MJF e. Wardlow. Not yet. That'll probably happen <laughs> in the future. Yet. It'll happen <laughs> soon, but not yet. Not now. Exactly. But we're going to see CM Punk versus Wardlow on Dynamite that, that's airing tonight, the 12th of January, 2022, for reference, uh, at the time mm -hmm. of recording, uh, which I'm really looking forward to, especially because Wardlow recently has been on a freaking tear with his Powerbomb Symphony, which is a great name for a series of Powerbombs. <laughs> it's freaking great. Mm. It's it's fun watching Wardlow do his little squash matches. Yes, it's kind of the same. It's like, grab opponent, Powerbomb. Powerbomb again. How about another Powerbomb? Ah, another Powerbomb. Get it over the over the finish line. Um, basically, I think when, when Wardlow goes against MGF, there's going to be a really sweet pop about it. And I think it's going to, be, it's going to make him as a star for AEW. Um, Will it I be mean, tonight? Will he turn tonight? Part of me thinks maybe, maybe not. May or maybe it just maybe the match doesn't really start. Maybe the match doesn't actually happen to a degree. Maybe MGF gets involved or or sit or no. Or even or um I wonder if it's gonna be a return of of form. So basically last episode of Dynamite, we have CM Punk doing a DQ to MGF. I wonder if MGF's gonna just do a DQ to Wardlow to make Punk lose. Like he'll and punch it'll just him say, with like the diamond ring or something. Yeah, or just 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 get Sean Spears just to smack him with a chair or something like that. And go, oh no, oh no, Wardlow, we're sorry, we didn't mean to do that. It might be it might be like a very harmless sort of oops sort of way. I don't know. They might. They, I can. I can. I can see some skullduggery going on to cause a, a DQ loss to Punk. Hmm. I think that. I think that would be logical. And then eventually, just before. Or maybe even after Punk and MGF happens, then Wardlow goes off. Because I mean they were they've been talking about revolution, obviously, the face of the revolution ladder match, and they want Wardlow to rack up the wins and get MGF in there. I imagine the turn is going to happen around that point. Because I, I I can't I can't imagine Wardlow wanting to enter the the enter that match and then win it for MGF. I can't imagine that's gonna work. I, I, from a character standpoint, I think by that time he's powerbombing MJF several times beforehand. And that it will be me. magical when it happens. It will be marvellous. And there'll be violins, there'll be cellos, there'll be flutes, all playing a lovely This is War! Low. War. <laughs> I, sort of am, I think, this is just wild prediction here, mm. I reckon MJF might be on commentary for the match tonight. Mm. And then it will be a case where Punk's getting a bit of steam, if you will. Yeah. And then... MJF goes, right, I've got to do something about this, goes down to ringside, and then perhaps like accidentally trips up Wardlow or something when he's yeah. when he's like when someone gets whipped into the ropes and then he thinks it's gonna be punk and just kind of turns his back and tries to pull on the leg, but instead it's Wardlow. Mm. And then there's a distraction leads to a pin, so something to that degree, or like you say, just outright skullduggery or something. Yeah. And then oh, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if that leads to then punk having to face the rest of what are they called? The, the Pinnacle. Pinnacle. There you go. Got their name. That's their name. I haven't said it in weeks. 
Because I, w- I would love to see Punk wrestle Sean Spears, Dax and Cash. Like, I'd love to see that happen. Mm. You've got a couple of weeks, you've got a couple of weeks worth of matches there to definitely mm. to do up until maybe Revolution. Um, or, or, even, or even simpler, MJF just convinces uh, CM Punk some way to chase him out of the arena or chase him out of the ringside area and gets a count-out loss. That's- I think that's ultra cheap by AEW standards, though. It could be, but it depends how it's done. I think it ultimately it will be depending how it's done. If it's if yeah. it's done in a smart way, then it can be done. If it can't, if it's it's if if the trick is to try and make sure Punk and MJF do not trade blows until their match, this is a way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, they, they even have that um, Christmas Day, uh, not Christmas Day. They have the Christmas Dynamite episode where trios match FTR and MGF versus CM Punk, Darby Allen, and Sting. And they didn't even touch once, which was amazing. Yep. Mm. Yeah. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be a wait, but I think it'll be worth it. Yes. To say the least. Mm-hmm. So we go from I don't know what I was gonna try and say like a trio of problems, because <laughs> on both sides there are, but yeah. to like a, another trio of problems, that being the the paragon slash undisputed slash something. That being Adam of Cole, Kyle of Riley, and Bobby Lefish. Ah, the good old undisputed, but don't call them undisputed now. Reunion. Uh, <laughs> I've been trying to think of other words they could use, and I was thinking maybe like undeniable or unstoppable. Uh, yeah, I think the the stories that are going around, or basically what's been reported, is a trademark has been filed for the word Paragon, which is which a is word what Kyle O'Reilly said yeah. in his first promo to Adam Cole. Yeah, so that's the rumoured stable name. I think it's a pretty cool name. I think it's yeah. quite... I think it will work. I think it will work. But yeah, it's it's just it's just the surreal thing that the the original Undisputed Era are now in AEW, and it's, it's weird, but also exciting at the same time. Mm. <laughs> um, I, think, I, think if any, I think if any wrestling fan said at the start of 2021, Oh yeah! By by this time next year, the un- all of the original undisputed era will be in AEW. <laughs> it's like I think most people will be a little bit shocked because even then we didn't see them breaking up until maybe um, Valentine's Day massacre at um, NXT, all that mm. sort of stuff. Um, but yes, that all there. I think there's there's a nice little touch that they didn't bring in Carl O'Reilly nice and fresh. They just brought him in as like, hey, we've had issues before. Yeah. We've had issues that we've had issues in other places, but let's try and work professionally here right now, and then we'll see about Mever or not if we're friends again. In that sort I th- of thing, I think I said it to you on the show last week that mm. AEW does a better job of following WWE continuity than WWE does. Yeah, like, just, like, just, it, it, just acknowledge it, it, it once. That's all you've got to do. It's like with MJF and Wardlow; they acknowledged it once mm. that Wardlow is employed by MJF, mm. and now they've planted that seed of the, in the contract, and the first time I've actually ever heard it read out, Yeah, it's that thing of if and when Wardlow wins a title, it by default goes to MJF. That's all yeah. they've got to do. Mention it once, and it's been said. I mean, you can go even further back to like the very first double or nothing, when Moxley turns up at the end, and Jericho's going, you're not supposed to be here. What are you doing <laughs> here? Because obviously he's still upset about uh, his jacket. I was about to say Mitch, but no, Mitch was Dean Ambrose file pot. <laughs> it's the jacket he's annoyed about, uh, and all that sort of stuff. But um, but no, I mean this is this is definitely building to some dream match 
Nirvana, really, because I, I think I think we're both in agreement. The the end goal. I think a lot of fans are hoping this is going to be the end goal. The end goal is going to be the Unbox and Kenny Omega versus Cole and Power and and basically uh, Red Dragon or Dragon Gate or ba- basically Paragon undisputed. Basically pa- yeah. Paragon v the Elite. The Paragon era. There we go. Done. <laughs> because now what I will say is this: think mm. back to two years ago. Yeah, it would have been because fans were in the building. That yeah. insane tag team match between Omega and Page versus the Young Bucks. Mm-hmm. Potentially one of the greatest tag team matches in history. I've never gone back and watched it, but I was in awe of watching that when I did. Mm. The idea these six men, assuming Omega is involved, because he may not be for a while. I don't know what the status of yeah. Kenny Omega is and stuff, but hypothetically yeah, think- speaking, the eventual six-man tag match that you probably didn't think was going to happen this time last year, ever, quite yeah. frankly. It's probably going to happen at some point this year. One would assume they could even save it for as late as All Out, if they really wanted to. I would say, I would say you can have a really good summer feud if you kick it off at Double or Nothing and, and do Double or Nothing all the way through to All Out. You can have a really, really stellar um, stellar feud. I, I, it can work. It can really work. I think it's too early to pull the trigger at Revolution. And that's mostly because obviously Kenny is still recovering from a very long year of hard work and, and niggling injuries. Um, that's an understatement. An, <laughs> understatement of the year. Um, but there are other teams for them to, to feud with and to, and to start sowing the seeds of dissent between the factions or between the groups. You've obviously got best friends, you've got the Hardy family office, but they're not really kind of baby facing in a well. Um, Frankly, what else? Jurassic, uh, Jurassic Express as well. So, event- in a circle? I, in a circle, yep. There's lots of uh, even pinnacle as well. There's lots of there's lots of little bits and pieces that they can tie over to really build up the tension to sort of fracture the sort of relationships between Cole and the Young Bucks and so forth, and then pull the trigger when Kenny's good to go. I think that I think that's the only way this works. This works lovely. I mean, you can you can definitely have a few one on ones. You can definitely do like Cole versus the Jacksons siblings one after the other or something like that. You can definitely have. You can have you can have the Unbucks versus Fish and O'Reilly. I mean, that match in itself will be spectacular mm-hmm. as well. So Red, it's Red like, Dragon is such a good tag team. Yeah. Have yeah. you seen that and T-shirt by the way? They've just brought out. Yeah, it's it looks really cool. so good. Go, 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 on, it, go on, go on, shop AEW people and just like look up the Red Dragon shirt. It's mm. so good. Like I, I have done my. I've somehow not ordered anything from Shop AEW despite numerous attempts of me trying to. Because, you know, money. But that Red Dragon shirt was nearly the point where I went, oh no, there's like three shirts I, I do need at some point. Including like the Hikaru Shida Samurai Cat t-shirt. It's the best. Have you Samurai this? Pizza Cats? No, 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 no. no, no, oh. no, no, no that, that's a dream scenario, no. It's like she's got like, it's like a face of a cat, but it's got like samurai garb around it. Okay. Look, look up what we're talking. If you want to put it up on screen in a few minutes for the video viewers, you can. Oh, Otherwise, I'll... people, just go and look it up on Shop AEW. It's good fun. Yeah, I'll look. It, I'll probably look at it after the show. But no, it's like you, you, you almost. It's like if it was Samurai Pizza Cats. It's like I am, I am effing there. <laughs> off we go. Off we go to Shop AEW. <laughs> Hypothetically speaking, if I ever got a chance to speak to Hikaru Shida, if I had to make it an anime-based question to ask her, I probably would just say, "Are you aware of Samurai Pizza Cats?" I mean, 
Oh, what was it? I remember random tangent, and we'll be quick on this. I I remember when the show came. I've watched a couple of like video essays on Samurai Pizza Cats, and the show wasn't necessarily a big hit in Japan. It was no, just one it of was, those. It was kind of a flop, to be quite. Yeah, funny. yeah, and when they basically hand it over to like uh, U.S. international markets, they just went, "You want to do your own version of the script? Fine, off you go." <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the, the, to, to quickly finish this thought. The yeah. way they wrote that show was they literally watched the episodes on mute <laughs> and wrote and wrote stories based on what they saw in front of them. Mm. I just I just love the start of the when it the American version of when it just starts off and you just see the bird, you just see someone, can someone please kill that bird? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh. Classic There's no version. easy way to segue into the next point I'm going to make, folks. But uh, the TBS but anyway. title tournament came to a conclusion. It yes. was Jade Cargill versus Ruby Soho to, for the inaugural TBS championship. And it was Jade Cargill who came dressed to impress, quite frankly, in her amazing Storm cosplay. Because if people don't know, she used to cosplay as Storm as X-Men on, on the regular. And it is in such a good cosplay. This is following mm. Thunder Rosa doing X-23 slash Wolverine the week oh, before. I think she did a really cool, she did a really cool uh, for, uh, My Hero Academia cosplay. Yeah. I can't remember which who the character's name is. Like, I know that what the character is. I don't know the name because I haven't watched or read a lot of full, uh, not I was about to say Full Malcolmist. I haven't watched a lot <laughs> of My Hero Academia. I've watched like the first series and that's it. Mm. But this character doesn't appear later. But yeah, yeah. She, she does some amazing cosplays, Jade Cargill. Hmm. Um, yeah, but Jade Cargill is the inaugural champion. She defeated Ruby Soho. Mm-hmm. Right. Look, not to bring the mood down here. I think it was on last week's show or the week before, whichever it was. I talked mm. about how I felt that the match with Thunder Rosa was too long. There were some great moments, like the pump kick that looked mm. brutal on Thunder Rosa. There were wonderful moments in that match, but it was too long and it it ended up dragging and kind of took me out of it. Same again for me, unfortunately. And it's nothing against Jane Cargill because she's had, what, 20 matches or something? You know, she's mm. not had that much experience. But in, this is a case where I appreciate they wanted to give the final time. And I fully respect that. And I'm glad they wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. But this is an instance where I actually think it would have been more beneficial if this was really short and quick. And Jade Cargill mm. maybe just caught Ruby Soho completely off guard, just delivered an almighty pump kick or something. And then Ruby is like, oh crap, I really screwed that up. You could then lead yeah. to a rematch or something. I, I think... This would have benefited much more from being shorter, but okay. I still don't take away the fact that Jade is champion because I'm happy about that. Yeah. It's just a shame to me that the final of what has been such a great tournament just it fell flat for me. Unfortunately, that's just the way I'm going to call it. Yeah, I'm I'm very pleased Jade won. I think I think when we talked about the TBS tournament many many episodes ago, I think I I call I sort of earmarked Jade to win it because it just yeah. it just felt like it was the right kind of thing to to work Jade towards. Um, and yeah, I'm pleased, but yeah, I, I understand, I understand your, I wouldn't say misgivings. I would understand your sort of constructive criticism in the match. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, Jade hasn't been wrestling long. She's what, exactly. about a year, about a year now she's been wrestling if, properly I mean, on, what was, it was, on AEW. What, March? Cause that was when the Shaq match was, wasn't it? Yes. No, it was the St. Patrick's day match, wasn't it? Also, where did Shaq go? He was in the ambulance and disappeared. That's never been answered. But anyway, continue. The mystery. Um, <laughs> my, no, it might actually been different. I don't know because I think was no. I think Cody had a match with with Penta. Was it Penta? Penta? I might be wrong. 
it's so long ago I've, I've completely forgot but yes um, that's so last year that's uh, so so last year so so 2021 early um but no um no it's like jay jane's had jane's been wrestling for about a year oh, and she will get better i think i think out of a lot of wrestlers who enter the ropes and sometimes they 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 do try their hardest and they really do try it's like i you can sense jade is really trying and it she does she does improve with these slightly longer matches not perfect not great but i think it does show faith from AEW. they have the, the AEW have faith in jade yeah. and they're giving her this opportunity and hopefully with the defenses and stuff they'll they'll team up with wrestlers who'll be able to get the most out of jade or be able to give jade a good match as well um and then yeah and and then hopefully after that jade might turn her attention to the women's championship the fact is, is like she's an absolute star in AEW. she has yeah. charisma she has presence she jade she literally for one of a better way of putting it jade as an all-encompassing entity in aew mm. is fantastic mm. everything about the presentation is great it's yeah. just literally the in-ring experience. That's not a knock on her because you can only gain experience by yeah. doing. Mm. I'm I sorry, think, I interrupted you. Yeah. I'll let you continue. But no, I think my 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 bottom line is she will get better, and I and she's demonstrating she's getting better. And I think give it time. Maybe this time next year she's having some really stellar matches for like the women's championship or even still holding the TBS. It's it's that sort of thing. The fact of the matter is, the nice thing is, it's showcased the women's division quite nicely, the TPS tournament. And now that the tournament is out of the way, a little bit more focus on the women's division on Dynamite would be very beneficial. And I think we'll we'll, we'll touch a little bit more about, about that when we get to uh, talking about Battle of the Belts. Yeah. Because in ter- definitely in terms of where the women's championship is at the moment. But um, no, I'm very pleased Jade won. Uh, it's been a good tournament, even with even with the odd missteps or even with matches not necessarily living up to their full potential. It's still been a very, very successful tournament. And I think, yeah, the right person's won. Oh, 100% agree. And yeah. the other thing I, I, in a way, would like to see happen. Now, this is full disclosure. I don't watch AEW Dark or Dark Elevation mm. because, quite frankly... I do other things in life. There's only so much There's time. a lot of wrestling. Yeah, there's a lot I, of I wrestling, do, Jeremy. I do other things, and there's other wrestling as well I want to watch, like stuff mm. from Japan, for example. So I, I mm. very much pick and choose now what I watch. Yeah. And there's an element where if you're effectively taping, you're doing what, a set of dark tapings at Universal Studios every so often, and you're mm. taping matches for one or, or the other dark shows in an arena every week. I, forgive the way I'm going to phrase this, but I mean it with the best will in the world. Throw a throw a Jade match on one of those. Just have her have her get more matches because I I don't know how many matches she's had, but it's only been like twenty. I think I will, based on her record. Let me let me Look check the all record. elite page. Let me yeah. check the all elite page. Um, but no, it's like just to sort of counter out counter that. She's definitely been featured a lot in Dark and Dark Elevation because that's how it built up like the winning streak. Um, Fair. Yeah, I, I guess actually now you mention it, yeah. Yeah, okay. I will retract that sort of the way that came out then because I did mean it more in it's a chance to experiment more with the matches she could have, perhaps. Yeah. And stuff. But uh, I mean, also the other thing as well, and this is again in Jade's defense, is there's only one TV show or one event a week effectively to be able to wrestle in at the moment. Okay. Uh, AEW aren't running non-televised events. I have the I have Jade's uh, stats here. Uh, career in AEW: twenty three wins, zero losses. Okay, there we go. 
Yeah. So yeah, she's, since, yeah, they've March last year that would have been, wouldn't it? Yeah, so they've definitely used dark and dark elevation to kind of mm. to kind of rack up those sort of extra points. Yeah. But I think it's a good time to really utilize that. Also, because then you can say the champion's wrestling on the show. Quite frankly. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Adds a bit more prestige to that. But yeah, really happy that Jade is the first champion. Also, shout out to her kid. Her mm. kid was cute as heck and looks so happy. There's that wonderful photo. I don't know if you saw it. I think Jade shared it in particular. A yeah. beautiful photo of Jade carrying the belt and holding her child in her arms on the entrance ramp. It was mm. su- such a good photo. Such mm. a great visual. But yeah, and again, it's like the short that having come from like that first to, to end that nearly your first full year in AEW like that. I think, I think it's just shown, it's just shown how Jade's come along and she will. And yeah. like I said, I feel she will only get better. Hmm. I'm actually thinking about it now. Jade would have been on TV far earlier because there was she, like that incredibly long build up to that Shaq match. Wasn't there? And like yeah, it was where, to be Brandy and then it became red velvet because Brandy ended up having a baby. So yeah. Cause it's like, I think around, I think it was around this time last year or maybe just the start yeah, of roughly. February that Jade just suddenly arrived to tell Cody off and away we oh, went. Oh yeah, it was, wasn't it? She just yeah. appeared, didn't she? Yeah, she just appeared and just said, Shaq's going to beat you. And there's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> the most, the most off-cuff way to mention Shaq and even everyone's yeah. like, but wait, what, what did she just say? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, who are you? Oh, hello. What, what are we doing? Fighting. Great. All right, fine. <laughs> Off we go. Here's Shaq. <laughs> so from one from one champion to another, we actually got a title change on Dynamite last week. That being that ju- I need to Jungle Express. That's not their name. I because I need to Jungle Boy. But anyway, no Jungle Man. He's not a Jungle Boy anymore, Jeremy. Jung- He's a Jungle, jungle Lad. Jungle, jungle Lad. Lad. All right, Jungle ju- Lad. Jungle Lad and, and Lucha the Saurus. Jurassic <laughs> Express. <laughs> Uh, are the new AEW World Tag Team Champions. They defeated the Lucha Bros, Phoenix and Penta El Zero, El Zero Miero, M, whichever it is, I've just forgotten off the top of my head. This was, this match, it, it, this is almost a tale of two, two directions this went in because this yeah. match was really good fun. Mm. It was really, really good. Then the ending happened. The final like two minutes of this match changed the entire complexion of it for everyone watching at home, at least. Because in the building, I don't imagine many people knew what had happened. Mm. But to try and explain it, explain it in a, the least graphic way as possible, Luchasaurus slammed Phoenix onto a table that was set up on the outside. Also, potential storyline continuity. Did you notice how it was actually Alex Abrahantes that called for the table to be set up? Yes. Just saying. Keep that in mind for the future, maybe. Long, mm. long-term planning here. Long-term storytelling. It's in the back of our minds. The choke slam happened, and from the camera angle that you saw initially, you immediately saw Phoenix start pointing at his arm and calling mm. for someone in medical to come and look at him. And I noticed it instantly, not knowing what happened, because I was watching on a delay the following afternoon and stuff. I'd stayed spoiler-free. and But I could tell something was up. Like, you, you just, you knew. And then the match came to a conclusion, had a great finish, new tag team champions. Then we started getting replays of what happened. And with the best will in the world, I mean this, I don't, I'm not trying to sound antagonizing here. Clearly no one in the production truck and or the commentators had noticed what happened. Mm-hmm. Because when they showed the first replay, 
Phoenix's arm... Phoenix's arm went in a direction it should not. Yes. And how his arm is not broken is freaking beyond me. That guy is inhuman. Mm. Apparently, I think it was just a really bad dislocation and possibly... I don't. I haven't heard any of the late more updates, but I think there was rumors he needed to get a scan for like possible ligament damage and stuff. Yeah. But the fact his arm is not broken is a freaking miracle. And honestly, I have zero intention of ever watching that bump again. It was bad enough watching the replays, and there was one particular angle where I, it it take not to say I'm squeamish, but in wrestling you kind of have a high tolerance for things that people do. And bumps that some people take. It's like, you know, half the time people land on their heads. I'm like, oh, must you? But I'm still in the moment kind of thing. But that took me completely out the moment when I saw what had happened. And in a way, it's a real shame. Obviously, because Phoenix is in Jen. He's one of the best things about AEW. But also Mm. just because it's always going to be a little bit of an asterisk on that Jurassic Express win. And it's so annoying because they deserve it so much. Yeah. I I think in the terms of the actual match i think the the call was always going to be jurassic express was going to win the belts here Uh, because they because they because throughout that episode of dynamite they'd been sort of teasing having a war of some sorts with malachi black and someone uh because the lights went out during the that main event as well um so i think i think possibly the game plan might have been that that's where we were going to see Brody king uh malachi black's tag partner on the other on the indies finally show up in aw Obviously, Phoenix hurting him, hurting his arm, kind of changed that a little bit. So it just so yeah, you have this very very sudden you have this very sudden victory, which is nice to see because Jurassic Express again are very are so over the crowd. It was a sort of like a shock happy moment, and then towards the end of the episode or during the celebrations, all the tech teams come out. They stand on the. They stand on the ramp. There's that sense of foreboding. Like, okay, we're going to fight all these. You're going to have to take on all these teams in the future. And then you get some weird sort of cuts to like cuts Jericho. to like a, a skybox of the of some of the wrestlers just sat there, just casually, just going, "Yeah, it's been a good night." It's like, oh, oh, wait, wait, camera, camera, it's clap, 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 clap. Ah, oh, it's off me. It's off me. And they did. Yeah. It's like, like Santana and, and Ortiz was there at one point. And even Malachi Black. <laughs> so okay, so here's. First of all, I totally get your theory, and it wouldn't surprise mm. me if it was the case they were going to perhaps have a big surprise. Yeah. But the lights going out has been happening randomly, like once a show, I think, for about yeah. two or three weeks now. Obviously, not with any kind of thing involving Malachi Black himself, notwithstanding. Yeah. So I think they're doing an incredibly slow tease up to this. And mm. there's going to come a point where something will finally be revealed. Like you said, the, the indication is Brody King is coming in, which I've not seen them as a tag team, Malachi Black and Brody King. I have heard they are freaking great. And I want to check out the PWG show where mm. they first debuted and stuff. Cause it sounds like it was a barn burner. I mean, but the, the other thing that was surprising to me as well, and I don't know if this is because I've just got this firmly in my head, it was going to happen then. It surprised me that Christian didn't turn. Because it seemed like the optimal time to do it if they mm. were going to pull the trigger. That said, I actually really like the fact he's helped them win the titles. Yeah. Because now, when he can eventually cost them the titles, it can add even more to it. Or maybe that something will happen where he may start getting jealous of them being champions or something. There's another way to build it and such. Well, but having all the tag teams come out, 
it may, to me, although perhaps you could argue clearly the match maybe should have gone a bit longer, they were trying to fill some time, it also, like you said, gave that sense of, right, we're going to see Jurassic Express v. Red Dragon v. The Acclaimed v. FTR, Santana and Ortiz. And I'm just thinking, all of these are going to be great matches. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And... Mm. All the best to Phoenix, obviously. Hopefully he's not out for too long. Like I said, the fact his arm is not broken is a flipping miracle, yeah. quite frankly. And however long he's out for, when he eventually comes back, it's going to be great to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was a very nasty bump. I mean, it's like, I think I only saw it once and then after, once the replays, I was like, no, I don't want to see this again. This yeah. is not, this is, this is not nice. This should not, this is, this is something that obviously does not, does should not really happen in wrestling but it's just one of i guess it's like one of those moments that people didn't realize what was going on at the time literally it's it's live tv it can happen it's not me having a go at anyone no but it is just it's kind of surprising that someone didn't realize Mm. given that everyone watching the show quite frankly could tell something was up yeah yeah But, but look i think well, hopefully, again, let's hope Phoenix is not out for too long. Uh, when he when they're back, Lucha Bros are back and they're challenging again. Um, because yeah, I think they're one of one of the best teams in AEW, and it's always fun watching them watching them wrestle and get into get into their sort of bouts. But um, yeah, there's still a lot of good matchups for Jurassic Express to take, and I think that I think Christian's going to be the cause of the end of their reign. I think yeah. you're right there. I think as much as Christian didn't cheat to help them win, I. I think a lot of people are sensing the turns coming soon. Maybe it might come while they're champions and Christian will go and find someone else to team up with and try and take the belt off them. Again, another little yeah. mini storyline you could do there. Especially well, if there's more... He, but perhaps he, he, bring, he decides someone else is going to be his protege and elevates them, maybe. Yeah. I mean, there, there are... I mean, obviously, with the free, the free agent market getting more populated from February, especially the last round of WWE releases... There are a lot of potentials that yeah. you could do that. You could do that with. Um, it's one. It's one idea. I don't. I can't foresee it really happening, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did it. Hmm. But Definitely. Yes. In terms of other quote-unquote new champions, let's move on to Battle of the Belts. This was the Saturday Night Special, which obviously had a focus on champions. Let's say. Plans were a bit derailed for this going in earlier in the week because it was announced, well, sort of announced, that the Mm. TNT title match was going to have a change because something had come up. Mm. Long story short, Cody's got COVID, seemingly. He's in COVID protocol, whatever they're phrasing it. Uh, I think the way they they have worded it is they, they had been in contact with someone who had COVID, so they are... Thank you. They are isolating and they're obviously following all the necessary guidelines yeah. at this time. Um, so yeah, I think originally it was supposed to be Cody, Sammy, two on yeah. on Battle of the Belts. Didn't ha- didn't get planned. Didn't happen. So we have uh, Guevara versus Dustin Rhodes. So I at least it's totally fine with Dustin being the replacement. Yeah. yeah, fine. I mean they they have really good chemistry before, and I mean th- this opening match was really good. So as well. good. It was so, so good. And they've just got really great chemistry. And Hmm. this is going to sound, this might sound a bit weird. There's a couple of points I want to make. We'll come to the idea of there being an interim champion in a minute as a separate point. But 
just I kind of just forgot how much I liked Sammy just being a baby face like this. Mm. So though he's not been heel in recent times, there's just an element of just seeing him really try hard, and you have someone like Dustin, who's such a great, a great versatile veteran. Like, he just moves so good and can do so much. They've got great chemistry, and it was just a real... There was a buzz in that arena mm. watching this match, and there was a moment where everyone was really into it, and then it just went into overdrive. I think it was when the Canadian Destroyer happened on the table to the outside. No, no, I think I think it was a bit earlier when Sammy did the did the hop skip flip. Yes, you're right. Yeah. He did like the I, double, double was, rope jump thing, didn't he? Cause I was watching that today. And when he I saw him preparing himself, I went, no. And he sort of hopped up, went onto one, no. He hopped onto the other rope. No. And he did the flip. I just shouted no very loudly. I think I think my family might be wondering why if I was shouting no about. It was like, no, don't do this, Sammy. Oh, you've done it. Oh dear. It's like, no. <laughs> it's like it's like something insane's about to happen. I don't want to see it go wrong, but I also want to see it happen. Um, but yeah, no, it, it definitely picked up towards the tail end, especially with Canadian destroyers. I mean, this is like the second Canadian destroyer went through the table. That yeah. was after who was that? That was after that was after Fuego del Sol, I think. Uh, yeah, Fuego randomly appeared. Yeah, he just like, went, I've got a table. I'm gonna set up a table and I'm just going, Oh no, no, you don't set up the table. I've got the clock. I'm gonna which, chase you. <laughs> can I just make a, I will say this. Given what we've just talked about with Phoenix. Mm. I did think it was a little bit in poor taste to bring out a table mm. like that at ringside. Obviously, no ill will intended, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But there was an element of mm, too soon kind of thing. And yeah, accidents happen, but just it was partially also thinking of what the hell are they gonna do? Like, I mm. don't I'm not in the mood to see another potential bad injury. I mean, there was another table spot in the main event, which wasn't as bad, but it's still kind of looked nasty we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later on yeah. um but no o- overall this was this was a really fun match even if it wasn't cody versus sammy this was still great fun to watch um and yes obviously Sam- i don't know if the original plan may have been to for sammy to win the belt back at, it makes uh, you wonder at, doesn't it yeah because i kind of i kind of have a feeling that he may have supposed to have won the ma- the belt back and maybe they have a big blow-off match down down the road or something like that. but now we're going to have the unification match at some point yeah. when Cody's available. So I mean, this I brings. Oh, sorry, go on. I wouldn't be surprised they do it at Revolution. To be perfectly honest, so yeah. basically, it's like Cody will just say, "Sammy, as long as you're champion up, if as long as you're interim champion by Revolution, sure, let's unify the belts." That's that's where I see it going. So this brings up now an interesting point. What are your feelings on the concept of there being an interim champion? Because far as I can remember, Sands may be a very rare occasion in WWE years ago, which I want to say off the top of my head, it was Randy Orton being the US champion for Booker T when he was King Booker. That's how far back we're going here. They actually they actually had it last year. Oh, no, oh, they actually... They actually WWE had it, I think, during 2020 into 2021 because... Before COVID hit, Jordan Devlin had just won the Cruiserweight Championship at Worlds Collide. You're right. COVID happens. Evan gets locked down. Uh, so when they do the Performance Center shows, they have an interim Cruiserweight Championship match. And that's the one where um, uh, Santos Escobar 
uh, one. I think he beat Drake. He, he beat the the technically then leaving Drake Maverick mm. in the final. Then Drake stayed on for a couple more years, um, or a year and a bit. Yeah. Um, and then when things opened up, Stand and Deliver the one the big uh, WrestleMania NXT show. You had the unification match where Santos took on Jordan. Santos won. Cruiserweight's been unified there, but now the cruiserweight is no more. So, eh. But no, they 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 have they have done that in WWE recently. Um, I but, mean, but, but the, the concept of there being an interim champion, though, thank you for clearing it up, by the way, because I totally no forgot that. But but what do you think about the concept in the in the world of AEW of there being an interim champion? I mean, if it was like Cody was going to be off for like a week or two, there's no need for an interim champion. This tells this kind of gives the impression that Cody's going to be off for a little bit longer than planned. So. I don't know. It's just like, it's like in, I mean, obviously, obviously if we compare how WWE did it for the Cruiserweight Championship in 2020, it makes sense because obviously these matches are not going to happen. I mean, I think New Japan kind of did it with the US Championship as well because I think Moxley won it, but then had to relinquish it because he couldn't go back over to Japan during COVID to do um, let me more matches. So if I remember correctly, that was when there was a death match in the Tokyo Dome. And I want to say, oh no, I think Lance Archer became the champion. Mm. Oh, wow, this is really getting me. I, okay, it may have been Lance Archer v. Juice Robinson, because it was originally meant to be Moxley and Juice Robinson at yeah. like a November pay per view, maybe, I want to say. Yeah. Um, and then it ended up going to the Tokyo Dome, which is when Moxley won it back from Archer in the Tokyo Dome because he couldn't get over because he was either injured or something had come up. I think that's me literally trying to pull out like a data bank from the back I, of my filing system. I think I think it was to do travel restrictions due to COVID at the time. I think that's the the mm. main the main crux of it. So that just tells me if we're doing interim championship for TNT, that tells me we might not see Cody probably until maybe next month at this rate if that's how yeah. they're doing it. Which, which obviously, if it's for health and safety reasons, then that's fine. Wishing Cody and Cody and his family all the best in that sort of sense. It's just, it's like you don't do an interim championship unless that is that is the case, unfortunately. Because otherwise, I I could just see them saying, "Oh, we'll do it in we'll do it as the main event in Dynamite in two weeks' time or something like that instead, and we'll do something mm-hmm. else." Um, or maybe they just need something to have for this battle of the belts. Yeah, know. there is that element that comes into play. From my point of view, I have zero issue with there being an interim championship. Partly because when it comes to AEW, as has been proven from track record of how they've handled various things that have occurred, be it planned or unplanned, Mm. you can pretty much trust AEW. And that it's not just going to be a random... It's not going to be something randomly stupid. There is going to be a thought process behind it. And again, 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 it's like AEW have obviously had to think on their feet a little bit earlier... Uh, towards the end of last year, obviously, with Moxley unfortunately dropping out for rehab, which hopefully Moxley we will be seeing very, very soon back in the ring. Hopefully this month. I think he's, I think he's got, um, I think he's got a GWC match coming up at some point. Maybe. Oh, is he actually sure. like, for, for lack of a better phrase, because I don't know, is he actually out of rehab then now? I don't know, but they have, they have, they have advertised that he will be taking part in a match in January. I think. Okay, at GWC. a GCW. Okay, oh, that might be the Hammerstein yeah. Ballroom show they're doing. I think, yeah, possibly, yeah. Um, but again, it's like they had to bring in Miro, and Miro became like a good, credible threat for Danielson mm. at full gear. And again, we even see we we saw it last last week when we were talking about day one, and we saw how uh, COVID kind of completely derailed 
creative plans for the Universal Championship. The main event. <laughs> yeah, the main event. So we'll make another main event. And now, I think, I think, looking forward, I think it may have been probably, it sounds harsh, but I think it's just kind of like a mini kind of blessing in disguise for maybe the storytelling aspect of, yeah, of, of the, of the rumble and hopefully towards mania. We'll touch on that maybe in another, another time, but it's like now that you've got, and we'll go back on, we'll get back onto EW in a second, but we've got Lashley Lesnar, we've got Rollins Reigns, and it's like, those are two good, good headliner matches for your titles. And, there may be a belt swap coming, which might be exciting. So mm. we'll have to see. Um, but yes, back to AEW. Um, but no, I think interim, yeah, I have no problems with an interim champion. Um, good, I mean, Sammy was doing very good stuff. He's got a match with Daniel Garcia tonight on Dynamite, which I think will be really good. Yeah, it's like after after Sammy just won it, just Garcia just slid in and just went, I'm really angry. I'm going to put my head against yours and then we're going to start punching. So you've actually mm. brought up an interesting point that I wanted to mention here. Mm. Sammy is like the best fighting champion. Mm. When you look at how many title defenses he did before he ultimately lost to Cody, mm. he's done this open challenge thing like against so many people. It was Jay Lethal. He's doing it against Garcia now. He's taken on all comers for this title. Mm. Ethan Page got a title shot as well, if memory serves. Oh, yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah like Sammy is a... F- I mean, obviously, Cody's had the belt. Well, had, has pick your word still has i mean yeah. he still has the belt he, he's never yeah. been he has Cody, Cody won the belt on christmas day rampage has he actually defended it yet i genuinely can't remember i know it's only been a couple of weeks but i genuinely don't remember i don't think he did i don't think he i don't think he has yeah and to me like sammy just comes across as a fighting champion and i think it works really really well that's the thing with the tnt championship it is a it is kind of like a let's try and do a match weekly or a match mm. every two weeks. It's a TV don't. title. It's a TV title. So obviously you give it some matches and all that sort of stuff. Um, obviously the world championship, you can be forgiven for having a couple of weeks between yeah, matches exactly. give or take. Um, but yeah, no, I know. I like the idea of fighting champion and, and Sammy's going to be that. And then eventually we're going to have the unification. So yes. Mm. Shall we move on from, we'll move on from a TV championship to a, mm, Okay, what are we doing with this belt championship? And then we're talking about the FTW championship. So, again, to sort of paint a picture here, it was announced Hmm. the night before Battle of the Belt on Rampage that Ricky Starks would be defending the FTW championship against Matt Seidel, carrying on the the Dante Martin thing they've got going on. Yeah, I have zero issue with this, Hmm. except for one element, which is kind of something that... I'll just say this. I really like the FTW title as a concept, kind of what it stands for and stuff like that. But the idea, it's not acknowledged by AEW, but it's then defended on AEW television Mm. and is openly acknowledged as being an FTW title match. It just seems a bit counterintuitive to me. What does the concept of AEW doesn't acknowledge it mean? It's it's not their belt, maybe I'm not sure because it's not a belt that they've introduced. I don't know. Uh, it's but it's but like no, I, for, for example, as a counterpoint, they we've had the we've had the New Japan US title, the IWGP US title defended and changed hands. The Impact Wrestling title was defended and changed hands in AEW. But where does the FTW title stand on that? Because both those other belts were acknowledged. But this belt's been seen on television far more, very rarely defended, mind you. Do you see what I mean? 
I'm not trying to rag on it. It's just it, no, this, no, no, no. I know, I know. This does um, just feel. I guess the word is oddly inconsistent by AEW standards. Is the FTW Championship actually affiliated with any other brand? Taz. <laughs> it's just Taz. It is well, literally. So, well, are, no, are, you, are, I, are you familiar? Are you familiar with the history of the, of the FTW title? I believe it was something. That, obviously, it's something Taz created for 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 some. For some reason, at some point, I, I... yeah. So, if I remember correctly, just giving a very loose remembering of this, I want to say he was trying. He was trying to get a title shot in ECW, circa nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety nine, and yep. he was basically getting so pissed off that he couldn't get a title match or the title that he then created his own belt, the FTW belt, which at the time stood for the F the World belt. <laughs> And so it was the idea yeah. this was his belt. And there's only there's only ever been, like, I think, technically two champions before it came to ECW. The other one was Sabu by some fluke and yeah. randomness. But inherently, it was Taz's title. And it was kind of like what the movement stood for. Like, he doesn't give a damn about the world. This is the way he does things. He's now brought that back, and that's kind of helped elevate Team Taz, which Team Taz is awesome. I love Team Taz. It's just how the FTW title fits into this, it just seems very muddy and inconsistent to me. I, I think I, I think understand it now as sort of like, it's a belt that Taz created in ECW and is not being really used anywhere else. I yeah. kind of get, it's more of, I kind of get the idea that Taz has brought this into kind of up, obviously his little stable and AEW management has gone, you're just being silly. We're not going to acknowledge this belt. And I kind of see it from that point of view. But yeah, yeah I think if, if they're going to keep featuring it and they're going to keep talking about it and they're going to keep putting it front and centre when it talks about Team Taz, then then something, it, it needs to be kind of acknowledged properly. I don't know. I don't know. It's just like, it's a, it's a weird thing. Maybe it's the agreement. You get, you get what I mean though, right? I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Maybe there'll be a storyline down the line where there's a there's a plucky baby face and someone takes the championship away from Team Taz and Team Taz are incensed and the challenger does not feel obliged to give them a championship shot because it's like, well, it's not really an AEW belt, so I can just keep this belt for as long as I want. Hey. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so I, I can see I could see some fun happening with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose I'm trying to think of a way of sort of trying to play this out a bit more. If it was one of those things where, say, like if Ricky, because Ricky Starks just kind of openly said it on the commentary at Rampage, like, yeah. I'm sick and tired of this. Tomorrow night, I'm defending this belt, the FTW belt. Yeah, AEW, this belt you don't want us to talk about. Kind of play it up a little bit more so it feels mm. like it's a little bit rogue. Or even if he's but- going to come out for a match and defend it, then just get on the mic and go, by the way, this is for my FTW title. Mm. You know, just kind of almost acknowledge the fact it's meant to feel different or there's some, there's weirdness around it. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I'm laboring the point though. Sorry. Yeah. I think, I think part of me feels that the belt, that match was probably added to the card because of obviously the changes to the card, obviously caused by, yeah, by, by Cody's uh, admission and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, for what it's worth, it was a fun little match. I love, I love Ricky Stark's spear. So good. Rick, Ricky it's, Stark's is amazing. Yeah, he just sort of it's just the way he just sort of flies at like the speed of light lightning or something like that and just takes out Cytel in the middle. It's quite fun. Um but yeah, it's a it's a fun, it's a fun little match. It's not really much else really to talk about because it's just like, well, we we it's like it's all about the belt, and it's like it's a belt that still kind of doesn't make much sense in AEW. To yeah. your point. But yeah. 
But it was a battle for a belt, hence it's in Battle of the Belts. <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. And that's not just us skirting over it really quickly. It was just, it was a fun match. They've got yeah. great chemistry. And then there was some stuff involving Dante Martin after. We're going to get Ricky Starks and Dante, but but eventually. I think we've got, I think we've got Hobbs versus Martin. Yeah, that's on, on Dynamite Di- tonight. On Dynamite. Yeah. Palmy kind of thinks, I can see, I could see Martin could pick up a lucky win. But I also think Hobbs might destroy him. <laughs> I mean, hey, we'll get onto that in a minute, but you ain't wrong. Mm. The other match we should talk about, well, because there's only one match left to talk about yeah. from Battle of the Belts, is the Women's World Championship match with Britt Baker defending against Riho. You'll recall the first ever AEW Women's World Champion. Mm. Odd note, which I want to make mention of. Did you notice on commentary how they kept occasionally referencing that Riho was the first AEW Women's World Champion. They never, they kept making it a purpose. It, I want to phrase this carefully. It felt very deliberate how they didn't say she beat Nyla Rose. Hmm. There were a couple of instances where they kind of kept going, oh, you know, she came through a really tough battle to become the first champion. And it kind of felt hmm. like there was a bit of the sentence missing. That was just, I don't know why, just it felt odd. Maybe it's because they just wanted to keep the focus on them, but, you know. Possibly, possibly. I I didn't really pick much up on that, to be honest, but it's just like... It's like I, pay, yeah, I can, pay far too much attention, sorry. Well, obviously, they obviously they have to build They obviously have to build something up for for Rio to obviously become a credible cha- yeah. uh, challenger. Um, because I think the only reason this match came about was because at the all-out... Uh, Casino she, Battle Royale. She, she didn't get eliminated. She didn't really didn't get eliminated. It was like, all right, you can have a championship match. All right, fine. Well, <laughs> make your stories as as they, as they happen, I suppose. Um, I do think, though, that at least that's an... Because that's like another example of something happened. You've been hmm. able to make it logically make sense. Because it was... Yeah. It was the Black Friday Rampage, I think, where Riho beat Britt Baker. Because it was kind of like, all right, look, you got eliminated. You get a match against her. If you beat her, you'll get a title match. Like, do you think that that makes logical sense? And we had like some follow up tag matches and stuff and whatnot. I really, really like both women. I really, really do. The Jamie Hater stuff getting a bit oddly confusing, which we may touch on in a second. But that aside, this is the first Britt Baker title defense, despite me really liking both women and what they do, where I just, I wasn't up for it. There was just hmm. something missing about it. it. Something was just not there for me. I don't know what it was, but it was really weird. Yeah, it's like it. I think the I think the result was never the result was never going to be in doubt. To be honest, I think everyone saw Baker retaining from a mile away. To be perfectly honest, and Rio's already uh, not Rio. Rio, uh, Rio has already won the belt as well. Yeah. So it's like it's not it's not unless you. It's like you just seen it again. It's like. They've taken a situation that's unfortunate that strangely happened during another match, and they've cobbled together a, a small feud to, to tie us over until the next chat challenger, which is absolutely fine. Mm. Um, I think, I think my 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 main thing. Now, obviously, we've had the TBS tournament, which obviously has had a lot of women's wrestling going on on Dynamite and Rampage and, and all that sort of stuff. But it's like, I kind of feel, I don't know if it's me, but it just feels like. Britt Baker and the Women's Championship has just kind of been in the background for like the last couple of months. It's been present. It's been present. It's been there. We have like but, but, a but that's we, it. We have the odd moment with with Britt and Tony Schiavone, but other than that, it's there's not much. 
Oh, there's not much really. There's not much really on there, and I. It's like I like Baker as a champion, and she's an absolute superstar for AEW. It's like she's one of the most popular stars in the entire brand. But it, I don't know. It just feels like she's had a bit more of a muted presence on Dynamite and Rampage over like the last month and a half. Yeah, and, and it's I, like, I think that's probably because partly because of the tournament to help yeah. keep the focus on that. Also, I, I want to say she may still have been getting over a wrist injury. This might so, also be the case. So it may well. also have been a. I'll say conveniently subtle way to be able to mm. poor choice of phrasing it, but kind of scale back her presence to allow her to heal and keep the focus on the tournament yeah. and then that gradually bring it back up. But that, that's just me spitballing some ideas there. But. Yeah. But it's like the whole the whole Reba and and Jamie Hayter stuff. It's like, where is this going? Because it's like it's getting a bit uh, to me, it's getting a bit silly now. It's like I, I don't. It's like obvi- obviously there's going to be dissension, and Jamie Hayter is going to end up leaving the group. It it's very yeah, clear because Jamie Hayter is trying. She to... will she will challenge for the belt. That's obvious. Yeah, she was doing lots of various things, even suggesting using the table as well. That Rio ran up and gave her a kick, and the table landed oddly on her foot as well, which I hope wasn't a serious injury. Anything, but it just looked I did very like that weird. spot though. That was a cool little spot. It was a good. It was a nice little spot. But yeah, it's 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 kind of like if we're gonna pull the trigger on this sort of. Dissension and storyline. Obviously, that they look like they're about to start doing it now. So I would not be surprised if Revolution's going to be Baker versus Hater. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised. But it, it's kind of like, let's get on with this, please. It's just like I, I, I don't know. I, I don't want. I don't want to be mean about. I'm not trying to be mean or trying to be really harsh about this. It's just like I like Britt Baker as a wrestler. I like Britt Baker as a character. I just want to. I, I guess I want more in a less kind of disposable way because it's like sometimes it's just like just a random bit of where she just talks to Tony Schiavone for like three moments three minutes and then that's it it's like it's like what was it I think she yeah she had a tag match with um against uh the night before on Rampage with Ruby So uh, well not with but against Ruby So because Ruby lost the TPS and we got that little random thing mm-hmm. happening there I don't know I'm it's like I'm trying to so I'm trying to bat and point basically I hope now with the tournament over, I hope there's a bit more focus on some of these women's feuds or creating new women's feuds because we've we've got some, we have some potentials. Obviously, with the TBS, we've had the revival of uh, Mercedes Martinez having issues with Thunder Rosa, so we've already got a story there. Excellent, mm-hmm. good. The whole the whole Bunny Ford Tay Anna J is done. Let's give them some new feuds, please. Uh, after that wicked rampage match. It's like, hopefully now with the tournament over, there's plenty more opportunities now to actually build a couple more different storylines up that haven't been going on for like six to eight months. Um, and that's and that's just, again, I think that's like the common sort of observation of AEW. It's like, you have great women's wrestlers. Can we please have more than one storyline going on or the occasional additional storyline going on? I don't know. It's, hmm. But yeah. But yeah, no, I, I've, I, been go- I, I I've been I've been going I've been going on a little bit about this. So yeah, no, you, no, 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 you, you take it, over, Jeremy. But Ian, you're totally right. And the thing mm. is, it, it it's almost like it's ended up probably being somewhat of a double-edged sword, which people couldn't have mm. predicted. Because the TBS tournament, a, a women's wrestling tournament, being given that much focus over what, like f- at least a couple of months at this point, yeah. effectively only having one match a week, maybe two tops. For like the better part of a couple of months, it has been fantastic to see. But in a weird way, it's unintentionally kind of 
strong held what else could be done in the women's division. I think we've only got we've only had Cheeda Deeb being yeah. like a, like a for, and, 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 and that's and a the few tag match going. Yeah, and, 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 and the tag match you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, so it's yeah. it's one of those things where unintentionally it's probably kind of held things back a bit. But like you say, mm. now's the time to kind of hit a reset button. You can mm-hmm. change things up, put things in a new direction. You you mentioned Thunder Rosa. One would assume she will eventually get a shot against Britt Baker at yeah. some point. There's there's I- lots of great matchups, and also they've started the the feud with Layla Hirsch and Chris Statlander. Yep, that one should be good fun. Mm. That, so yeah, that, so one, the, the pl- that one's quite promising. Yeah, so you'll be on the pipeline. So now is the, now it's like brand new year. Let's really put this division on the map. Yeah, because because it's well. No, because I was just going to say because I think this roster is really good. They've got some really good names. Again, there's other potential free agencies that will come in and, and really strengthen that soon. But yeah, this is kind of like the time to really make a good case for AEW to say, look, we have a great women's division as well. Hmm. It's uh, it's there. They just need to put it out there. Yeah, and I will say it as well. I've just quickly gone on the AEW Twitter just to see if anything's been announced before we get on to previewing what's going on next. They've actually announced that they're going to be doing some some dark tapings at Universal this weekend, and Jade Cargill is pretty much pretty much front and center on the graphic they've used on Twitter. So she will cool. be wrestling on dark, kind of following on from what we said a few minutes ago. Lovely. So this brings us on to what is coming up on Dynamite tonight, 12th of January at the time of recording. TNT title match, as we mentioned, Sammy Guevara defending against Daniel Garcia. Mm. I don't see any reason Sammy would not retain the belt, but stranger things have happened. (laughs) Yeah, I think Sammy will retain. I think think it's just a a sidestep in this whole 2.0 and Garcia against Kingston uh, Ortiz. And Santana, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's like I, I just feels like it's more of a like two point oh going toward the inner circle. So yeah, CM Punk and Wardlow. We talked about our thoughts on how that would progress yep. earlier. Mm-hmm. Powerhouse Hobbs v Dante Martin. One would expect that Dante Martin may somehow get a win on this, but I reckon it's going to be a case of him trying to be, for lack of a better phrase, very flippy floppy and acrobatic, <laughs> and Powerhouse Hobbs basically just being a brick wall. Or a freight train and just smacking him down. <laughs> you see him, him do a flip and then Hobbs just kind of just runs into him. It's like, oh no, he's dead. And then we get, an, we're probably going to get another great battle between Hikaru Shida and Serena D because these two have great chemistry and each match of theirs is really good fun. Yes, I think that they've been doing a nice little feud there. Hopefully this is maybe like the final or the penultimate match. Obviously they're building a lot more of Deep being incensed that Shida's been beating her. Um, so I, I I sense a Deep victory tonight, to be honest, just to keep the feud going. Uh, so then it's all level and then maybe we just have a blow-off match very, very soon. Indeed. And at the time of recording, folks, that is what has been announced for Dynamite. So for all we know, by the time we're done tonight, something else will be announced because I'm sure that something will. That's usually how things work. Pretty much. So we now move on to a segment we are affectionately calling Any Other Business. Or Wrestling Around the World. That's a far better title for that. I'll accept now that. We, now, now, we just need, now we just need the good old sort of timey-wimey music of <laughs> Wrestling Around the World. Today. Wrestling. Grappling. 
professional wrestling, sports entertainment. It's all one word. I don't know what I'm talking about, but let's carry on. Tally ho, grapple, ho ho, what what? <laughs> Chance for me to do it in that accent for like the ne- next the next episode of Uncomania when we've got an idea of what we're doing in this segment. We'll just do it in that voice. Have you heard of what's happening with the Rumble? All this stuff's happening. Lovely days. <laughs> so, as we were going to close up the show last week when we were live, there was some mm. breaking news occurring. That being a bunch of WWE-related releases, more specifically from, from the background side of things when it comes to NXT. Yeah. We had some people announce while we were on air. Ian, from your perspective, anyone else in particular? I mean, let me phrase this carefully. Everyone who got released, it's you know, it's a real shame and it sucks. Yeah. But anyone from your point of view who stood out to you most of all? Um, well, it's essentially majority of the people involved, or the, the majority of people who were released were were core NXT Triple H creative guys. So William Regal's gone, Road Dog's gone. Uh Samoa Joe has also been released again for the second time in like a, a year. year. Yeah, I mean, because he was helping out with like the scouting and and, and the coaching side of things. Um, some of the wrestlers who had transitioned from doing wrestling to uh, coaching, Danny Birch, Timothy Thatcher, again, they again, there's like they were all kind of Triple H people. They're gone, and it's it's just basically the way the way WWE had, had kind of explained it in a press in a, like an answer query, I think, to Fightful Select. had basically just said we're because we are trying to cement what's what we want to do with 2.0. We are just putting the staff, we're just changing the staff so it's in line with our vision. So it's like, it's sad, but it it's not surprising. It really is not. Especially when last week's NXT, New Year's Evil, you've got Braun Breaker just charging through and kicking a giant X in half. I think the right was on the wall, to be perfectly honest. Um, and it's sad, but again, it's like, this is the direction WWE want to take it. But that means now... People like William Regal and Samoa Joe are available to other promotions and brands after obviously a release clause. I think I'm not sure what the release clause is like for like staff. If it's an NXT contract, it's 30 days. So ba- basically by February or by the start of February, Joe can start wrestling if he wants to. But maybe maybe it's something different. I don't know. I I, I honestly don't know to my to my knowledge what the, the release clause situation is. Obviously, if it's a standard talent. NXT is 30 days, main roster is 90 days. So, mm. But either way, um, though, if there's one thing we can say is there's a lot of people out there who can help build the next generation of wrestlers. Absolutely. absolutely. In terms of, in terms of the future of wrestling, it sucks they've been let go. Mm. But in terms of what this could mean in terms of spreading their experience, their knowledge, the world yeah. hopefully going to start opening up a bit more than it, it can do right now. But the independent shows are starting to happen again yeah. like th- th- this is i'm trying to have be like a glass half full rather than half empty on my turn of phrase here but hopefully long term this is a good thing for the rest of the wrestling world as a whole yeah i mean i i mean to be perfectly honest i would be surprised if within the next three months we don't see regal or joe and a promotion i mean ring ring of honor are going for a rebrand Go grab Joe again, or even Regal to help out with creative or to help with coaching stuff like that. There's like a lot of a lot of promotions would probably bite their arm off to literally have them in yep. their in their in their business. So it's like they and and to be and and for a point and for a good point, NXT was 
for a good period of time until AEW started, like the be all and end all of like the super indie show. Yeah, it's kind of like they could do no wrong. I mean, they may have the old misstep, but it's like every takeover was there was always something noteworthy to talk about takeovers. There was always the the characters and the wrestlers that were creating before the 2.0 mantra started coming in. Again, you had great characters. Even you look at some of the wrestlers who were released last year, like Karrion Cross is like excellent NXT character destroyed on main roster because it's just not what main roster wanted. And it's just, yeah, it's just like they, they, if they are the people responsible for creating some of those standout ideas and helping create those ideas come to fruition with those wrestlers imagine what they can do in other promotions mm. especially promotions that are starting to close the gap on on audiences especially with AEW. It's like they may be a little way off obviously really trouncing wwe ratings but if they really want to get that quality seal of content if they really want to get that quality seal of we are really passionate about bringing the best and bringing in the best to help our talent be the best. You can do no wrong with bringing people in like Regal. You really can't. Agreed completely. Mm. Elsewhere. I, yeah, I was going to say elsewhere. I mentioned at the top of the show, actually what I was going to say here when it came to Kenta and his injury at the Tokyo Dome. But uh, yes. but Ian, I know you had an interesting note. With, now, some context people, because I'm trying to stay spoiler free of the New Japan and Noah show that took place. And I'm going to be staying spoiler free for like the next week until it's on Wrestle Universe and or New Japan World. I've literally not seen any news of wrestling since Friday last week. <laughs> so I have no idea what's happened. But the only note I have got here is Mickey James. So Ian, what the heck is going on? So uh, WWE have done the very surprising thing of announcing 19 of the 30 entrants in the 2022 Royal Rumble match for the women's. What? Uh, Char <laughs> yeah, Charlotte Flair came out on SmackDown and went, yay, Royal Rumble season's here. Let's look at the amazing people taking place or taking part. So uh, so we have we have standard entrants. We have we have people like Tamina from Raw, Shopsney, Shayna Baszler, Rhea Ripley, Queen Selena, Nick, uh, Nikki Ash. Natalia, Naomi, all that stuff. We also got a few surprise legends returns. So the Bella Twins are in the Rumble. They are back. Sure. Uh, Kelly Kelly, Lita, Michelle McCool. Uh, who else have we got down here? Summer Rae. Um, the big name. Summer Rae? Summer Rae. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, yep. Uh, but the, the surprising thing about all of this is Mickey James is in the Rumble. The weirder is it, thing is. Isn't she with Impact? Here's the, here's the extra bit. They referenced her on air as the Impact Knockout Champion. What? <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, and straight after this broke or appeared on SmackDown, Impact said, yep, uh, WWE and Mickie James worked out an agreement. We're happy for her to go and take part in the Rumble. And if she wants to take the belt, she's more than welcome to. And WWE, and it's like Pat McAfee referred to her as Impact world uh, impact knockout champion as well so it's like what's going on <laughs> it's like it's like for the first for like the first time in like forever wwe's pretended other companies haven't exist but now they've now they've acknowledged like impact and it's really it's it's, it's it's kind of blown a few people's minds but i think the bottom line of this is basically we don't have enough entrance to the rumble gee wonder why 
Um, it's almost yeah. like you've just released most of your blooming roster. Yeah. Um, so I, I, the the logic sense to me makes it makes me. I think uh, no, I think uh, no. I was reading the story. I think John Laurinaitis called up Mickey James to say, "Hey, would you want to be in the Rumble?" And she said, "Well, I'm with Impact." And he just went, "That's not a problem." It's it's like, all right, fine. I mean, I I can't obviously I can't see Mickey James winning the Rumble. I mean, he's, unless the the forbidden door between WWE and and other companies is about to suddenly blow off the hinges. How many years <laughs> did a select group of people really want to see WWE versus TNA? And eventually, we're effectively going to get that in the year 2022 in the I, Royal Rumble. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But it's like I, I mean, on one side, it's it's actually quite cool. They've they've done they've said that and kind it's of super cool. impact. It's really cool. And considering the the whole the whole shenanigans that happened with Mickey James's release, obviously they're trying to. I, I think Palmy's also thinking they're trying to make right by her. So obviously, actually mm. treating her with the respect that she's actually due. So maybe that's part of it. So basically, it's like I'll take part, but please, you've. You've got to tilt, you've got to obviously say that I'm Impact Champion. Give my name some respect in that sense, and I, and I, I kind of get that. Um, whether or not this leads to anything remains to be seen. I think some people are kind of going, oh, oh, they could actually bring in Impact stars into it, so Impact stars can actually take part in the Rumble and and maybe some WWE. I like, I don't see that happening. I think some I think some fans would really love to see that happening. I think a lot of cooler heads are kind of going, there don't enough people for the Rumble. This is why. This isn't a partnership. This isn't, this isn't like, a partnership. This, for, for lack of a better phrasing, this isn't what AEW and Impact were kind of doing last year. Mm. But but Impact have actually come off the back of that. They've had Hard to Kill, which uh, I think Mickey James and Donna Perazzo uh, main evented. Um, oh, cool. But apparently, apparently, just from Mickey James being announced for the Rumble, they had some extra business on pay per view buys for Hard to Kill. Amazing, brilliant. So it so it's. So if this is like a nice, if this is like the start of like a gentle sort of idea of say, hey, other companies were open, WWE open to work with other companies, great. Obviously, knowing WWE's practices, I'll believe it when I see it. It's, <laughs> to be it, perfectly honest. Yeah, it, it's almost that thing of what's the penny drop going to be or where's the, the butt? Gonna come yeah, in. Where, 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 where's the but? I mean, I was re- I was reading stories on on the news sites as well this week that WWE were talking to AEW about about certain talent that ordered that on the AEW roster that they're doing like they're doing documentary work for and stuff like that. So again, it's like I think in the in the in the right context, companies can talk to one another and sort of say, "Hey, can we do this or can we just yeah. borrow someone or so forth?" Because I think I think I think. They have worked as like Impact and WWE kind of worked something out for like Christian one year. I can't remember what um, it was. Christian was under WWE contract and he came out to introduce someone to the TNA Hall of Fame at Bound for Glory, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think they kind of tried to work something out just to make sure that was all hunky dory. But also um, as well, I think like even on some WWE like programming on the network, there's been there's just been outright like footage from Impact. Well, yeah, I think the the whole angle stuff like there's AJ Styles, loads of stuff on there referencing it. Yeah, especially with AJ Styles and Kurt Angle, they've had any documentary stuff. They've been talking to like Dixie Carter and stuff like that. So it's like Jeff Hardy, like all the time. Yeah, it's like they are open to going to talk to 
to, to people and actually getting people involved. Obviously, it's just, it's, I think to a degree, it'll be like, you can have a nice spotlight, but you're not taken away from the WWE product. That's, it, I, that's what I sense. That's what I generally sense. Yeah, it, it, it's really cool that, that this is happening. Like I say, it's, mm. what's the but if there is going to be one? What's that going to be? The other thing yeah. as well is, it also just seems really, what's the word? It almost feels hypocritical, given mm. you know how many flipping releases they've done recently, and it's like yeah, th- th- there is an air of, of of there being someone being incredibly hypocritical somewhere about this. I mean, that, that might also even be the wrong word to use, but it's you know what I mean. It, either way, it's cool. It's happening, and I'm actually I'm happy for Impact. And I know we've been talking recently. We do want to try and you know engage in some other wrestling related things. So maybe at some mm. point. We actually mentioned Impact, I think, on the last show we recorded before the new, yeah. before the Christmas break. You know, at some point we are going to check out Impact and some other stuff that's going on as well. So that would definitely be on our list. I mean, if you if you really want to have like a penny drop moment, there's also the story today of uh, Major League Wrestling uh, suing WWE. Wait, what? 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 Why? Uh, so uh, M uh, MLW uh, Media has uh, served uh, papers to WWE because. It alleges WWE's ongoing attempts to undermine competition and monopolize the professional wrestling market by interfering with MLW's contracts and business prospects. Um, yeah, so apparently there's a there was basically some point last year, I think L MLW was supposed to have a streaming deal announced with with a with a, an online thing. I think it was uh, Fox owned Tubi. Um, you just however, said the word Fox, so I can already imagine what this is going to be. Yeah. Uh, but apparently, uh, a WWE executive warned the owners of that brand and say, "Hey, Vince isn't happy about this. You might not want to go ahead with this in this sort of way." And then, like the next day, the deal's off, all that sort of stuff. Um, and that, yeah, that was that was about showing what year this was. I think it was either last year or two, or early twenty twenty one, early twenty twenty one. Um. So yeah, um, I mean, we'll see how that, we'll my, see how that one we'll see how we, we'll see how that one goes. It's like it's kind of like a weird sort of well, it's like if WWE is now starting to openly happily work, it's like again, I think a couple of years ago, maybe a few many years ago, when obviously the Vince McMahon mantra was "I want to destroy every other wrestling uh, wrestling promotion around me" in that sort of way, because obviously how he just we took out the territory system. Yeah, but mm, I don't know. It's it's a it's a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird situation. It's like it's as long as those, huh? It's like I don't know. It, it, oh, there's so I've got so many thoughts and feelings. First of all, quite frankly, if Fox owned Tubi, why should Vince McMahon's opinion matter? Given that they've paid mm. for WWE to be on their network. Yeah, and I'm pretty. I mean, from what I recall, I, mean, I don't live in the US, obviously. But I don't think that any of WWE's programming is on any online media for Fox. There's like a WWE on Fox Twitter account, if I remember correctly, but there's no specifically like SmackDown replays on Fox or something because it's all on Hulu or whatever. But anyway, the other thing as well is like, this is WWE who have their own network that have ICW from Scotland and WXW from Germany new shows appearing on the network fairly regularly mm. 
it, uh, yeah, talk about hypocritical. Like. Sorry, I, I, I am listening for the for our viewers. I am, I am, I'm still focusing. I'm just trying to find more information on the, on sorry, because I think there's been some follow up stuff as well about this. As no, well, no, that's so. cool. If, if you see it, just just feel free to jump in. But either way, it it is a very interesting story. This is broken. If it's true, it will be very interesting to see what the outcome of this is. Um, it's an antitrust lawsuit, is what they filed. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be very interesting to see what the ultimate outcome is of this. And uh, you know what? It's just... It, at the, someone will say it's just business. The other party will go, yeah, it was going to be business, wasn't it? And then you took it away. So... Yeah. Ain't wrestling weird and dumb. Right. So they, basically, just to, just to clarify this. So uh, this is from uh, uh, Fightful, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, a source close to Fox... Uh, close to Fox, uh, that Fightful spoke with indicated that WWE did not respond favorably to the deal, which was to be announced immediately after WWE was made aware. Uh, as a result, the future of that third party deal was in question. So, yeah. So basic. So basically, WWE found out and went, "Oi," is is what they're alleging. Yeah, it's just. I mean, without laboring this too much, we'll be here all night. Otherwise, yeah, it's just that part of me that's like. Why would WWE's opinion matter? In oh, the sense that they're already on Fox. They've I've already got, got money from Fox, so... I have a bit more just to clarify this a little bit more. Okay. As described in the complaint, WWE pressured third parties to abandon contracts and prospective relationships with MLW. WWE's misconduct included disrupting every level of MLW's business, including a major streaming deal for the for the promotion, which would have transformative for the company. MLW also alleged that in the complaint that in early 2021, after MLW announced that it was in talks with Vice TV to air MLW programmings on Vice TV, a then WWE executive warned Vice TV that the that Vince McMahon was pissed that Vin, that Vice TV was airing MLW programs and that Vice TV should stop working with MLW. The Vice TV executive responded that WWE's conduct was illegal and was an antitrust violation with the WWE executive responding that she could not control McMahon. I don't so, know why, but I want to say there was some talk ages ago of MLW maybe working with Vice. Mm. I don't know why. I vaguely remember that being said yonks ago, but also even more amusing that they've got an issue with MLW, but they don't have, they seemingly don't have issue with Vice producing documentaries like Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah. Just saying. I mean, and again, it, again, it's like just relating to that line of she could not control McMahon or the, the executive in question could not control McMahon. It's like, it might be Vince McMahon just having one of his stupid, or not stupid, but his, his more egotistical, angry rant of, I want this, and he's not going to take no for an answer. Yeah, he, he is he is above the law, effectively. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you'll see what happens with this. Exactly. Maybe some. Maybe something happens. It's just. It's. It's a. It's a court thing now. It's like I'm just. It's like I'm just sort of picking up what I can. What I can find in the story. No, no, really. I wasn't aware of this. So you know what? I'm sure by the time we next do a show, there may be some more info mm. we can elaborate on as or if needed. If there's any update. Uh, but oh, in but but in positive sort of WWE roster news, Corey Graves has been re- uh, cleared for an in-ring return. Freaking amazing! Yes, I remember. Back in October 2005, he made his UK debut on the 1PW show uh, under the name Sterling James Keenan. 
and uh, and became quite a member of of the of the roster. Like he, he kind of became a, a big darling to the one PW crowd, and I went yeah. to many of their shows. Yeah, and it was always just such a cool guy well, to me. Anyway, I don't know if, if other people's experience, but it was always the mm. cool guy, fun stuff, really really cool. And when he got signed, I was really happy for him. I also did wonder after I once conducted an interview with him, where did he get his surname from? Hmm. hmm. Just saying. Just speculating. And but then when he had to effectively retire from in-ring competition, it was pretty sad just knowing all the memories that I'd seen him create. Mm. And then to hear this news now, that that's just, that's a really cool thing. That's really cool. Whether he ultimately will get back in the ring full time is another question entirely. So I've got some more stuff from Fightful here. Fightful is always a great place in to get wrestling news. In reference to Corey Graves or... or yep, sorry. Into, okay. into Corey Graves. So he had a major status shift over the last year. Uh, according to sources, he was actually cleared by WWE at some point in 2020. Uh, though the company has not confirmed that, uh, it's largely based on discussions behind the scenes. Graves briefly won the 24-7 championship in 2020, despite previously being on a strict internal no-contact list that the company keeps. Uh, he's no longer on that list, apparently. That is that is what sources are suggesting. Oh, there we go. Um, so you never know. Surprise return at the Rumble. You know what? Yeah. It would be logical, wouldn't it? That's a pretty yeah. good place to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think mm. on that note, I think we're going to start to wrap up now, everybody. It's been, yes. a, it's been a wonderful time tonight. I mentioned our next show. I believe, Ian, we will not be here this coming Wednesday, but we're going to no, be returning... Our plan is to return, as he looks at a calendar, on Wednesday the 26th of, of January, obviously, just to put yes. there, 2022. We'll be talking, no doubt, a bunch of AEW, a bunch of WWE. More specifically, that's Rumble Week, isn't it? That is Rumble Week. It's also AEW Beach Break Week. Wait, when did they announce Beach Break? What? Um, it it kind of got announced under the radar. Uh, it's going to yeah. be happening across the uh, Wednesday 26th January episode of Dynamite and the 28th of January episode of Rampage. So It's a long beach party, that. <laughs> it's beach party going on forever, Jeremy. Forever, 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 forever. <laughs> so we will be talking about what's happened in between then and also be previewing the Royal Rumble. I was going to say based on what we know, but given that we now know most of the competitors in the Women's Rumble, we may actually know far more than we think for that point. I should have, I should have added as well, Charlotte Flair's in the Rumble. She's the champion. She's a SmackDown champion. She's in the Rumble. I'm not even going to guess. Again, I, I mean, I don't, I don't see Flair winning. To be perfectly honest, I don't think Flair's going to win it. So this <laughs> is one of those. We'll do a Brock situation. It's like, but it doesn't make any sense this time around. The Brock situation worked out actually quite perfectly in the storytelling mm. sense for Drew McIntyre. Like, I don't know. We'll, we'll touch. We'll touch on that when we get yeah. to the actual rumble. Yeah, rather than having some show. dead air at me trying to get over that. Cool. <laughs> it's like, but why? But 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 also, but also, just to confirm as well. Speaking of rumble, Johnny Knoxville has been officially entered into the rumble. He is confirmed. He qualified by simply turning up on SmackDown, and when Sami Zayn couldn't didn't see him, he just put him over the top rope, and the jackass music played. He ran around and he left. That's how you qualify for a Royal Rumble. You have to throw someone off a top rope and you're there. Thank you for joining us live on Twitch tonight, everybody. <laughs> if you've enjoyed the show, please hit the follow button. If you feel so inclined, please do subscribe as well. And if you've been watching on the YouTube archive, why not give us a thumbs up? And if you feel so inclined on there, 
hit that subscribe button. If you've been listening to the audio-only version, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us via Twitter, at BunkerZilla UK, and of course, you can also drop us an email. You can do that on BunkerMania at BunkerZilla.co.uk. And if you're someone who's still in a meta-like verse in the world of Facebook, make sure you check out The Stomping Grounds, that being the BunkerZilla page on Facebook, and you can have some fun interactions in there as well. Mr. Decker-san, Ian of Bolton, any other closing thoughts you would like to have before we conclude proceedings for today? Uh, no, I think we're all good for today. It's been a lovely, nice little AEW chat and a little bit of side of a wrestling chat. I I really feel like trying to get like a little item now for wrestling around the world. Today, in the world of pro wrestling, we travel the world to Japan. It's the Royal Rumble. Where 30 chaps get thrown over the top rope. The last one standing gets a title shot. Whether or not they win it is a completely different ballgame. Would it be 30 chaps and chapesses? Well, that'd be 30 ladies. If you're never uh, going yeah, to make sure. place but... Chapesses. What the heck? It... Oh, it's been it's a long week. week. It has been a long week. There's been lots of wrestling, Jeremy. And the wrestling's not stopping. So the wrestling's anyone... going to go on forever. <laughs> It's going to go on forever for me because I've got so much Japanese wrestling to catch up on. Eventually, I'll see that New Japan and Noah show. I will say as a fun anecdote, I'll be watching a show from, I think it's DDT in Japan. I'm watching that on Wrestle Universe. There is a show that occurred in the last week. Remember last week I closed out the show by telling you that Chris Brooks wrestled someone as a giant cat? Yes. The follow-up to that was in DDT, there is, there is no other easy way to phrase this. There is effectively a stuffed blow-up doll that is a character by the name of Yoshihiko. And Yoshihiko has had some legendary matches against people like Kota Ibushi. Just saying. Chris Brooks took on Yoshihiko in a singles match. I cannot wait to see this. Oh no. Oh dear. (laughs) And then of course, there's a bunch of pro wrestling Noah stuff in general going on. So there's loads of stuff going on. (laughs) At some point, I'll get to talk more in-depth about Japanese wrestling on here. It will happen. But mm. until then, everybody, from myself, Jeremy Graves, from him, the Decadane, Mr. Ian Bolton, you have been watching Bunker Mania here on Bunkerzilla UK. Thank you very much for joining us and talk to you soon. Enjoy the show. Discover more Bunkazilla originals at bunkazilla.co.uk. Ooh.